1: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Love this podcast? Support this show through the
2: ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, a podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known guests. I'm Charles paye phillips and with me in Chesham, of all places, is James Dawd Daily. Well, I could be in worse places.
3: That's not a very positive way to start a podcast, is it? Um, Chesham is a great place. I recommend it to anyone. It's, uh, it's got lovely greenery. It's got a nice town centre. The people are very friendly. A lot of creative people live here. A lot of comedians. Um, I've never so... been to Chesham. I mean, it's... I've been to your place in Amersham. Yep, yeah, Amersham is also nice. Mm. Uh, they're both at the end of the Met line. So it is accessible from London. If you fancy a day out to the countryside, get on the Met line, get to Baker Street, get on the Met line, the purple one, Head out Northwest, come and see us. Get off at Chesham or Amersham. <laughs> there's parks that are walkable, there's nice restaurants, there's nice people. I might be there. All good reasons to come and visit. Well after this my Park <laughs> World.
2: After this promotion of, of Buckinghamshire, you're going to get sponsored the key to by the city. Chesham Tourism
3: board <laughs> I'd um, love to
2: be sponsored by the Chesham Tourism Board. Um, we are open to sponsorships if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast.
3: We are indeed. Mm. We are. I I know a lady, Emily, who used to be town mayor in okay. Cheshire. So I'm sure she'll she put in
2: a good word. Uh, I think in the next ten to fifteen years, you will get the keys to the city. <laughs> that's my, that's my ambition. Yeah, yeah, that's my plan. How's your week been? <laughs> it's good,
3: not too bad actually. Uh, not too bad at all. Uh, bit busy doing bits <laughs> and bobs.
2: Bit 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 busy. Bit, bit busy.
3: <laughs> um. Busy. I'm not a very, uh, I'm not very, I'm not that busy as a person, Charles. So when stuff does happen, uh, I then suddenly feel like okay. I'm a bit busier than the. I'd say the average person who has got a nine to five job is probably a lot busier than I am. But um, when you say you're busy, not a very
2: busy person, is that because you don't like to be busy?
3: I do like to be busy, uh, but I don't feel like I have enough. I'm the sort of person that uh, I think I feel my purpose through. Cause we're getting into it early. Um. Hmm feel my purpose through work. If I've got like loads of gigs in a diary and like any like TV work or whatever or like mm. writing stuff, I feel really good. If I haven't, I feel a bit uh. but of course, being a creative person, it goes up and down. So when you haven't mm-hmm. got work, really your work, quote unquote, is pitching and sending yourself yeah. out there. That is your job. Um and I'm not very good at that. So uh yeah. How do we get onto that?
2: <laughs> well I asked if you were if you'd like you know, you said you were a, a um probably not a busy person
3: yeah i think i i'd rather i like being busy i think although i do have a lot of my own sort of stuff on you know own sort of projects and stuff but Mm. then sometimes i can uh i'm trying to get more balance recently actually it's something that comes up on the podcast there we go unintentional link um uh because i if sometimes if i'm not very busy i then try and fill that space by like well i've got to do this project this project Mm -hmm. I've got to get this done by this time. I've got to make a YouTube video by this. I've got to write this, you know, whatever. But I'm trying now to be a bit like, okay, I didn't get it done today. Fine. I'm going to go and hang out with my daughter and my wife and I'm going to try again tomorrow. And that leads me to be less busy, but maybe a bit more balanced. It's hard though.
2: Yeah. And for, I mean, for listeners who don't know um, what you do.
3: <laughs> who does?
2: I don't I mean, even you know do, what you I do. But you do an incredible amount of work. I mean, you've got your YouTube channel, which has got hundreds, thousand subscribers now. Yeah. I mean, this is a just, huge just audience. And yeah. then you've obviously got um FYP, which is the Crystal Powers podcast that you do. Obviously, you do blank. And I know you've been working on a book. I
3: have, yeah, <laughs> been working on a book. <laughs> so, um, and obviously,
2: yeah, still doing comedy stuff. So, you you know, you've got an incredible amount of work on at the moment, even if you doesn't feel like so- When you put it like that, it stuff. does actually sound like quite mm. a
4: lot of work.
2: Um,
3: yeah, but I think... It's and you'll understand as being a creative person, you're always there's always things you want to do outside mm. of your paying work. You know, there's always a balance between fun stuff that maybe doesn't pay as much and paid work, but you always want to work on those personal projects that always mean a lot more than the paid stuff. Sometimes some people get to balance both and then they're yeah. very lucky, but it's very few people. So you always want to be doing if you've got a bit of downtime, you think, oh, I've got to work on that script. Yeah. I've got to work on that. But actually, sometimes it is. And again, our our brilliant guest, Dr. Rada, today says that sometimes you just got to have that balance and just got to like take a step back and don't overwhelm yourself with too much. You'll probably end up being more productive anyway by doing that because you'll be able to focus more on what you'll do. But and this is the overriding message from today. It's hard. Give yourself a break. Life is hard. Don't don't be too hard on yourself. And again, I'm I'm a massive hypocrite saying that because I am. But getting everything done is difficult and just Mm. trying to trying to chill out a bit and take a step backwards can be massively beneficial
2: yeah i mean it was a great episode with dr arda she's such a a brilliant person and such wonderful energy about her about you know it's just so gentle and very kind and she's very kind on social media i mean that's how i've kind of got to know her over the last sort of year or so is yeah we sort of share um kind posts and positive posts and she's very thoughtful as well um, yeah and you know something that also comes up on the the pod quite a lot in this episode is being reflective and the times yes. she's, she's had to be reflective in her own life I mean she started off um, at university she went to Cambridge studied medicine and became a medical doctor and then moved into becoming a GP and she talks about some of the, the kind of not backlash as such but the the kind of uh, her peers around that time kind of being a bit snobbish perhaps about her moving into that kind of form of work and um and obviously now she's moved into doing broadcasting and presenting as well so yeah I mean she's an all-rounder really yeah um yeah but a a fantastic um individual and 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 had so many insightful things I thought in this podcast
3: I totally agree very nice person really kind energy about her and that thing about university i think maybe we'll, we'll dive in and let her explain it she has a mm. real sort of light bulb moment at uni yes. which is interesting which is, yeah. which i think a lot of people maybe get that a bit later on in life and she had it quite young And i think that's almost sort of shaped her the rest of her life so um yeah it's a very
2: very insightful episode yeah and we'll listen to it in a minute but i've got some tweets have you got a tweet <laughs> well remembered i've got two actually okay well i'm going to read out one here it's okay. from holly tinsley Holly says, listening to the blank podcast while looking for positive things to share tonight. And honestly, don't know where the last hour and a half has gone. I can't help myself. I love people. I love listening to their stories and experiences. And then hashtag podcasts, positive stories. So that's really nice. I'm not sure which episode Holly was listening to, but hopefully um, it could have been any of them. Because I Could think, be, yeah. obviously, positivity and um, and that kind of stuff comes up a lot on our podcast. So that's a really lovely message.
3: Yeah, that's really nice. Thank you, Holly. New uh, love Podcast. We love you for that message. So yes. thank you. Now, I've got two tweets here from a Mr. Adam Murphy, who has really dived back into the archives, Charles. And we sort of said a few weeks ago, if people mm. are enjoying these, you know, if you haven't listened to any more, dive back in. And he's picked out two here. So this first tweet says, nice, in capital letters, which... <laughs> Is a reference. I should say actually, noise, which is a reference nice. to this guest. If you if you know your memes, uh, which of course is the one and only Michael Rosen, uh, and he's put uh, Michael Rosen on the blank podcast. Already have my day made because of it. Love his ego and the strength that he gives. Outside of his work. Yes, I'd forgotten. We were talking about the ego ego in that. That's right. Um, Glad he's still with us. Absolutely. Because I know he wasn't very well recently. So we are um, really delighted that uh, Michael is is back on his feet. Absolutely. Because, again, he's one of these positive people that we need, that we need at the moment. Mm. Um, And Adam's second tweet, uh, sent the day after. So he clearly is working back through the archives. Thanks, Adam. Amazing. Is with Susie Dent. And he said, I've been going through a lot over the years. I'd love to see her guide on swearing. Listening to her on blank. By the way, I am now forever calling my intestines arse ropes.
2: <laughs> Me too.
3: Yeah, we all are. We all yeah. are. Thank you, Adam. It's um, it's lovely to hear those tweets, and it's great to see you've been enjoying the back catalogue.
2: Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely to hear people going back and listening to. The, I mean, this. I mean, we're nearly, we're over eighty episodes now. So I mean, there is quite a few there, and those, are, those are very early ones. So that's lovely to hear. Adam's been going back, and I hope others will as well.
3: Indeed, if you're new to the podcast, welcome, and uh, there's loads to get through uh, the back catalogue. Yeah. So um, there's over eighty hours worth. Certainly advise you do it.
2: Waffling away to much more interesting people.
3: Well, it's, this is the thing: it's not really we're not really waffling. We're just we're letting our you know the, some of our guests just say some amazing things, and it's nice yeah. getting these tweets because you I, you forget sometimes. Yeah, you know, the, the, the Michael Rosen one I'd sort of forgotten about what he talked about that, and it's such a good episode, so I would definitely recommend it. Yeah.
2: And here is another good episode with Dr. Vada Moddio. So please do listen in. Cuz you obviously with life hacks you're you're chatting with kate aren't you
0: yeah so katie yeah so katie um remotely sort of but we we actually we've made a little pack so we don't put our videos on (laughs) because sometimes it's just too early in the morning so yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah, no i think it's good we've we've avoided doing that as well just because i mean i've upgraded my i'm back in my bedroom now so for about the last sort of well most of lockdown i've been in my son elijah's room and it's obviously got like pikachu pictures and stuff on the back in the back so uh
0: that's all right i mean you, you can see some like teddy bears up there yeah there's a the bbc children you <laughs> need pudsey uh, pudsy up there as well so Is there? i could nice. do this
2: and elephants because we had this discussion the other day didn't we there's
0: an elephant Charles, yeah, right there yeah. there are also lots of elephants in that picture <laughs> so the elephants. so
2: we so jim just to Phil, you in. Uh, Jim's like, what are they, they talking about? Yeah, yeah, what are they talking about? <laughs> we did a, a, an Instagram Live 2020, which is Rad, one of uh, Radha's projects, and she talks to people, and we basically ask each other questions, and I asked a very surreal question, and maybe it's someone we could pitch <laughs> to you as well, right? So, you've got an elephant. Okay.
0: <laughs> Jim looks scared. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah.
2: You've been given an elephant. Um, you can't sell it or give it away. What do you do with the elephant?
3: Um... How did I get this elephant?
2: There's no background.
0: Ooh. There's no background. He's asking other questions. Like find I like
3: that. I should have done that it. too. Did, did I steal the, <laughs> elephant? Steal you the, the elephant? elephant? No, you, were given, you
2: would were given it. You were
3: given Legally. it. Legally. I legally own an elephant. In what situation would me, a man who lives in Buckinghamshire, legally own an elephant? I'd be asking those sort of questions before I. I like then...
0: Jim's approach to this. I just took the approach of, oh God, I have to answer yeah. the question. But I like your yeah. approach, Jim. I think I should, le- I can learn from you. I just a lot, think, I, just think I, li-
3: I live in Chesham in Buckinghamshire. If I had an elephant, I think a lot of people would be asking questions. Why is this man, <laughs> who has absolutely no links to conservational work or anything, why does this man <laughs> with a tiny garden? Own an elephant? I think people would be asking serious <laughs> questions.
2: Do you know what? They've they've taken the elephant back because there's too many questions going on. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's King, too complicated. We don't think you're the
2: man for the no. elephant. Sorry, you ask too many questions. You. Okay. <laughs> well, rather, you said though. You said you would love it. You would love the elephant.
0: Oh, I know. And so I I know. I'm sorry. That sounds like a real cliche no, no, answer. No, I think it's no, a nice
2: answer. That's a much better I... answer than mine. That's a
0: that's a much <laughs>
4: more wholesome answer than my one. <laughs>
0: i know i know well you never know i mean you know if i do get an elephant i'll let you know what i do with it
2: (laughs) yeah please i'll be asking so many questions
0: london zoo i'm open to suggestions
2: (laughs) (laughs) but what your answer though made me did did make me think again about um you know you are a very lovely and loving person that comes across on social media big time so have you always been like that? Have you always been... No, but, you know... It, it's off.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to get my family in yeah, yeah, yeah. to just give their, give their view.
2: <laughs> but it, has that, you know, that erring on the side of kindness, um, has that always been something that's been in you? Good name for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's very nice of you to say, Giles, I'm not always a lovely person, obviously, because we're all human and we all get cross and angry. But um, but I think it is it is definitely something that I've always um had a tendency towards when I was little. So for example, when my brothers and sisters had their birthday, I would not just make them one homemade birthday card, I'd make them like 50. For some Aww. reason I thought that was like the, the sign of <laughs> kindness. Um, <laughs> but I've always been interested in, yeah, I suppose like helping people, I suppose um when people are upset or even at school, when people were being bullied, I would I would tend to be the one who would sort of go to them and say, you know, how are you? What's happening? And tr- and try to be that kind of nice person. Um, just because I think, I mean, I'm the youngest of four, so maybe I also have got the youngest child complex, where you know you don't, you feel like you haven't had yeah, enough attention, yeah. and so <laughs> you kind of you're like, excuse me, yeah. I'm here. So maybe maybe that was part of why I was like, actually, if people are alone or if they're in distress, maybe that's part of why I feel like I want to go and help them, because you know we've all been in that situation where we felt alone or we felt like if someone could just smile or be nice to us, it, it's just help. So maybe it's that um, empathetic side mm. of me that is a little bit stronger, perhaps I don't know. Well,
2: and obviously led you into the career that you've got.
0: Yeah, definitely. So that was definitely part of, I think it was like the interest in science and how things work. Cause I've got quite a, an inquisitive mind. I like understanding how things work and what people do. Um, and also the whole idea about communicating with other people. And like I say, kind of, I'm very much a people person. So I like being around people and, and having sort of fun and conversations and learning from them. So I think that's was pretty a combination of those things, really.
2: So, sorry,
3: I'm having massive microphones. It's okay, change. Jim, sorry, don't sorry. worry. We'll, we'll <laughs> just back on. <laughs> right, you're saying some incredibly lovely, beautiful, poignant moments, uh, and I'm just like fiddling around with this microphone. i No, so I love sorry. that. That
0: gives it a sense of realism, authenticity. Uh, and again, it's kind of going back to that elephant thing. You're just like, whatever.
3: Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that
0: elephant. do love the elephant. I want to talk about the question. I'm going to be thinking about the elephant now for,
3: for weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, I think I think some of the mo- some of the moments in my life when I've when I've sort of really noticed someone who's been in distress or I've been in distress and someone has just shown me some kindness and they've just said, "Are you okay?" And to me, that is you know that kind of gives me shivers. Those kind of moments because I to me that is what it's all about. And actually, that's what makes people feel good and actually feel happy as well and feel connected. So you know, there's a lot of Noise from the outside world about what's important and what makes us feel good. But actually, when you silence that noise down and you really think about what makes you feel good, it's those moments, I think. So that's why I I sort of put a lot of priority and value on those kind of moments and interactions.
2: Yeah. You know, we do a kind act or we tell someone we love them. Those oxytocin levels go up, don't they? So, you know, we do get that chemical reaction in our own bodies and and for the other people as well so i guess that's you know science is at play you know we have this chemistry within us and we can alter that chemistry by the way we act and and talk to others you know and connect
0: Mm, absolutely. Like, it's probably, I mean, a lot of people say, don't they, is there a, I think there's a Friends episode where, you know, um, someone says to Phoebe or Rachel, you know, that there's you can't do a kind act that isn't selfish because actually you get such a lot back from yeah. yourself by being yeah. kind. And so yeah. I think she goes around the whole episode trying to do something which is not actually good for her and, and she can't but that's okay because you know we don't have to be all self-sacrificing I think when we talk about kindness people get an idea about it being a very soft concept very yeah. fluffy very um sort of like an additional thing that we sort of talk about when we're at primary school but actually I'm really interested in talking about how to make that tangible and actually talking about the science of it, but also making it a tool. You know, just like we use exercise as a tool to make us feel good, why can't we use kindness and connection as actually tools that we need in those moments to actually make ourselves feel better? So, yeah. Yeah, well, what's,
3: what's <laughs> I totally agree. What's wrong with, uh also feeling good about doing a kind of you know in like you know in the computer games there's those old platform games like mario and stuff and you'd get some situations where if you like helped a character your character would get a one up you give a give a one up your character gets a one up right no one yeah. playing those games would say well i don't want this one up i'm sorry i just <laughs> want to give it away so why can't we apply that to our our own lives as well what what's wrong with doing something nice to someone that also makes you what what's wrong with two people feeling better over one person feeling better i don't i Absolutely. don't
0: understand that Absolutely. Well, there isn't. And like you say, there's, it's exponential, isn't it? Because it's, it's a whole ripple effect, isn't it? That, you know, if you have an interaction with someone where they show you kindness, or you show them kindness, you feel good. And then you go on, you're more likely then to go on. And when you interact with the next person, kind of spread a bit of joy and happiness as mm. well, in that respect. So I think you're right. I think, but I think sometimes people... Um, They couch kindness and those kind of words with kind of being pious or, Mm. you know, um, kind of, oh, holier than thou or, you know, someone kind of being, oh, I'm very kind, you know. Um, But actually, we we are designed, you know, through evolution, we've been designed to actually be kind. And people talk a lot about survival of the fittest. But as social creatures, we're in groups. So actually, although there is that element of survival of the fittest, there's also an element of kindness because to survive we have to keep our groups in within you know within one kind of cohesive bubble so kindness almost is a survival mechanism in itself but we we sometimes couch it as being a bit like oh you know kindness you're kind of being a bit patronizing or you're being a bit sort of wholesome and and there's something wrong with that and you're like what (laughs) i don't understand that but also so
3: also what you're saying is in a way kindness is like a virus that we spread From one person to another, and so if I don't want to be kind, I just wash my hands and wear a mask, and then I won't get kindness.
0: (laughs) Well, I think kindness is infectious; it really is. So, you know, we've all had those bad days. You know, before this situation, this virus situation occurred, where you get up, you've been a bit of a bad mood, maybe a bit tired. You know, you go to the train station or the tube station, and you're a bit grumpy. Um, and you know, you, you've got a choice in those moments. You can either reframe your day to try to sort of be kind or smile at someone and that person smiles back at you and you feel better. And then it goes on in an exponential way to sort of make your day a good day, or you have the choice to be like, stay in your grumpiness, scowl at the person next to you (laughs) who then scowls back and then it makes it Mm. worse. So I'm, I'm also really keen on the idea of choice and moment to moment choices that we have. Sometimes we we talk about happiness or well-being as being very grand concepts. But to me, it's very much about in that moment, what can I do to make myself feel better or help myself feel better? And I, in that moment, I've got two choices. I can do this will take me down that path or I can do that. And it's more likely to go down that path. Which one do I want to choose? And I think when we realize that, we can then get better at making the choices that are good for us and hopefully then good in turn for other people like you said
3: so i i literally had that this morning that exact thing this morning because i woke up this morning feeling a bit bleh, feeling a bit rubbish um we've got a 10 month old daughter so and no sleep so that obviously doesn't help either but just last few days i felt a bit bleh, can't be bothered and so i forced myself this morning to do a workout and it was a half hour high intense. I mean, it wasn't high-intensity. Technically, it was a high-intensity workout, <laughs> but it was very much towards the lower end of the intensity scale. Was it
0: lit rather than hit? It was or, lit. Or mitt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, mitt. <laughs> medium. Um, but I did that, and that made me feel a bit better. But then also, coming on this podcast and talking to you both of you guys, your happiness and your kindness towards me in this first, what, 10 minutes has made me feel better as well. So those two choices of that workout, getting sort of the endorphins flowing a little bit, and then talking to you two, has actually, made me feel a lot better than I did an hour and a half ago.
0: Mm. Oh, brilliant! Well, that's true, they're, they're all about good choices. And you know what? Some days we can't make good choices for ourselves, and that's okay too, because you know, we're not we are human, we're not mm. perfect, so we can't always be making the right choices. Um, and sometimes the right choice is just to go back to bed.
4: Or, <laughs> yes. or, you know. oh, oh, it is indeed, yes,
0: <laughs> yes, I'm on board with that one. Yeah, or, you know, or have a cry or, you know, just just kind of be away from people. And I think, you know, when we talk about good choices, again, there's a judgment in there, isn't there? When you say the word good, people conjure, conjure up images of, like you say, kind of going to exercise and being like, you know, being productive. Um, but actually, you know, that a good choice for you on a particular day, and particularly in 2020, some days a good choice for me has been having a good cry, going back to bed and watching a box set. Or watching Coronation Street, you know, so <laughs> classic Coronation Street episodes as well, not even recent ones. <laughs> the good
4: stuff. Which
0: are great, by the way. <laughs> so I think I think it is about stopping the judgment, but also I think that sense of empowerment, you know, I find myself in this position in this moment. And again, it doesn't have to be about grand choices, but you you get your sense of empowerment from realizing that you have a choice in that moment. And I think in 2020, particularly when we can feel like we have some control and power over the situation or what we do within the situation, that is really, really helpful. And that opens up, kind of opens up a door into really realizing what we have control over. And we actually have control over a lot of things our reaction, our choices, how we feel. And they're massive, they're huge things to be in control of. But sometimes we can feel like, we have no power because everything external is happening to us
2: yeah yeah i mean you could you could argue that we've seen the best in people and obviously we've seen some of the worst in people during this time but i'd like yeah. to let's focus on the on the best um <laughs> <laughs> but we have we've seen a coming together of people as a as society which i think we've not seen in a long time Um, particularly you know in in an age where we have social media which is can be quite divisive it feels like uh, uh, you know as a society uh, as a a global community actually that we have had to come together and that has been really good for us you know
0: Mm -hmm. definitely because we've learned from each other we've learned that you know we often say that phrase you know a lot more in common than divides us but actually you know we we really have seen that we are all human beings we all have emotions we all can be affected in terms of our mental health and our capacity to cope with challenge um and even you know we've seen a lot of good but also you know we have seen some bad or we've seen some of the perhaps the size of human nature we mm. don't want to see or we don't really want to recognize but even those are actually being quite interesting and quite useful in a way because again when we see what we don't want or we see what we don't like we can then say okay Mm. we don't like it we see it's there and so now if we see it's there and we don't like it what can we then do to change it and so i think again trying to reframe that in a way which is more about changing something for the better um and 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 actually like what can we do with that knowledge then to make things into it how can we make our world different so again you know it's sometimes the challenge and the difficult times all the things we don't want to see which are hard to see if we use them the right way we can actually then evoke change and actually make something different so they're both useful but just in slightly different Mm. ways I think
3: well, we've been seeing that, haven't we? In, in, in America, there's been a lot. There's, there's been genuine law changes. And I know the laws differ state to state. So it's not countrywide. Different law changes because of people taking a stand against things they don't like to see and some absolutely you know horrible things happening. So that really helps. Uh, it's interesting you say that because I've, I certainly with social media, I find myself getting tired if I'm totally honest, of a lot of the negativity out there. And I get angry when I'm on social media. So I find myself getting wound up by tweets, by stuff people tweet or, or injustices that people are reporting on. And part of me wants to say, right, what do I do? What can I do? What petition can I sign? Where can I go? What can I do? And part of me, if I'm totally honest, this is this is quite embarrassing, just wants to shut it all off and say, I, just can't, I can't. I haven't got the energy for this. And in fact, this week... There's been a movement after the after those Wiley tweets, mm. where some people are shutting off their social media for 48 hours um, yeah, to it. try and yeah to try and shine a light on sort of the lack of reaction to anti semitism from certain platforms, and so I did that with my Twitter. I thought that's a nice idea. Okay, I saw the hashtag. Okay, I'll share that. Do that. I turned off Twitter. I then uninstalled it from my phone, and the last two days have been absolute bliss because I've just. Not been thinking about Twitter. I've not not been able to go on. So I'm not getting wound up by stuff on there. I'm not getting angry. I'm actually just sort of living my life. So, and that I feel like that's quite a sort of quite selfish of me and quite a sort of quite embarrassed to admit that because really we should be all sort of campaigning and, and fighting for these injustices and helping. But I've, I've, my life is a bit better with it all switched off I don't yeah <laughs> and I don't,
0: and, well I don't yeah. I, mean, I don't think that's embarrassing and I think actually you speak for, for all of us when you say that I think it's really good to say that out loud because um you know we are again we are individuals we all have a certain capacity for how much we can see how much we can take in for our own mental health and so again it's not. Um, it's about a balance. So individuals obviously make up a collective and make up, you know, a group of people who can make something change or change something. But also within that group, there also needs to be space and respect for that individuals, mental health, and their emotional well-being. And I think, again, in this pandemic, I, I definitely at the beginning of it as well, you know, a lot of us were consuming a lot of mm-hmm. news all yeah. the time. And um, a lot of people said to me at that point, I feel really guilty if I don't watch the news and I feel like I should watch the news because there's such awful things going on. And yes, of course, we need to know what's happening. But on the other hand, you know, we can't do anything positive. We can't make a positive change if we're drained emotionally, not in a good place, mentally not in a good place. Um, We can't do that. So I think it it is a balance of those two things. It's about um, knowing what's happening, being aware of what's happening, but also recognising that, you know, not one person can fix the world. And that's okay too. And I think, you know, hopefully there are enough people in this world who you know, if you're having a break, for example, from social media. There'll be someone else who's fully charged emotionally mm-hmm. who can be on there. And then, but it's like almost like a relay race, isn't it? You pass the baton. Yeah. And I think you know that that's that's really important to say because sometimes, and particularly this year, it just feels so overwhelming. Yeah. And like I was saying before about sort of the noise from the outside world, we all need time to 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 just silence that noise for a little bit so we can ground ourselves we can reflect on what we're doing and then we can come into that noise in a frame of mind where we can actually do something about it rather than just being drained or angry and, and adding to the whole kind of hype on social media or the, the anger on social media. Um, it's kind of like emotional reactivity, isn't it? It's about being present with something um, and then making positive change um, rather than destroying your own mental health.
3: Yeah, I think that um, that idea of sort of taking a breather um, is a really good is a really good. You're right. You can't function if you're constantly overwhelmed by everything. I remember I used to work for a football website, um, not a particularly good one, so I'm not going to say the name. But um, it it was fine. It was my first job in football journalism. Um, but I had a review once. I had a sort of review of my work after a year or something, six months, and they said, "How do you think you're doing?" And I said, "Well." I think I'm okay, but whenever anything happens, like breaking news or a big story, I, I, I second-guess myself. Like, I write something and then I think, oh, no, actually, that's not right. And I think about what I'm doing and I'm worried that I, this isn't the right thing. And they said, Jim, actually, that's a really good thing. If you're second-guessing yourself, you're taking a step back, you're thinking, you're analysing, and invariably you're going to end up then with the better result because you've just you've given it a bit more brain space. And I always... I mean, that's literally the only thing I took away from this job. Um,
4: <laughs> but I always remember that it's moment. It's a good thing, though. Yeah, it is a good thing. And
3: actually, it's really applicable to a lot of other life's issues. And I find myself coming back to it, actually. Yeah, second-guessing yourself is not a bad thing. It's you taking a breather and analysing. That was probably the first time I'd analysed a trait in myself positively. Um, but it is fun. it's funny you mentioned that as, as well, I think having a bit of a breather taking a bit of time just to reassess things is a good thing and I think a lot of people at the moment will be doing it
0: definitely and I think like you say I mean our our emotions are helpful in that they I think every emotion has a purpose it has a purpose for being there it either helps us process something or it alerts us to something that isn't perhaps helping us for example we want to change or that we need to connect with someone but again, on the flip side of, of emotions, it's that place where it's you're just in that place of emotional reactivity, mm-hmm. where like you say, you just sort of fire a tweet off or you, um, your emotions or your kind of fear response is so strong that you just do something without thinking. And so I think, again, the same way you said you're stepping back and reflecting and just taking a moment, I think that's actually a, a massive... Um, That would be a huge step forward for social media if we could all learn a little bit more emotional, how to deal with emotional reactivity. Because I think the anonymity on social media, the tendency for us not to have learned those emotional skills in terms of reactivity um, coming from a place of fear, potentially, that's what makes social media so toxic, potentially. And that's what, actually, if we learn a few more things about the lack of anonymity and how to be a bit more grounded on an emotional response, I think social media would be a bit of a, a kinder place.
3: As you were talking there, I've just had an incredible idea for a um, a thing that Twitter can introduce, or maybe actually all social platforms. I want to hear what Giles thinks about this, as, as like the king of Twitter as well. Um, what if Twitter, oh, do you like that? Twitter...
0: You need to get a crown as well, Giles. No, yeah, I like that I title. The the crown. <laughs> Thanks. With a little bird
3: on it, the a little Twitter bird on it. Um, what if your phone or Twitter, whether it's TweetDeck or the app on your phone, whatever... Had a function where you you write a tweet and you hit send and Twitter then doesn't send the tweet and you get a little bar or something, a little wheel for 60 seconds or 30 seconds, your tweet doesn't send. And in that 30 seconds, you get the chance to delete
2: your tweet. Or a verification code could come through.
3: Or a verification, something that is a little barrier that makes you go, or even just the message. Are you sure you want to?
2: Tweet <laughs> are, you, this? are you sure?
4: <laughs> because <laughs>
0: hashtag I reckon, Are you sure? <laughs> hashtag
3: Are you sure? Because I reckon there'll be a lot of people who, as you're just saying, will take a breather and go, "I don't want to tweet this," and we would probably end up with far fewer Twitter meltdowns and pylons and arguments just for having that little barrier.
2: Well, I, I've actually tweeted before that I do that. I do that anyway. Well, in that—that's impressive. Well, I, yeah, I will definitely reread what I've just written. Bef- like probably a to make sure there's no typos in it because <laughs> you're going to have to delete <laughs> speak, there speaks the, yeah, author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak yeah. the <laughs> author Um which happens a lot to me um yeah and then yeah and during that process you do you get to read really you think oh do i want to do i want to send this out do you know do i really want to mock donald trump again Um, yes i do (laughs) and you are um but you know it's it's yeah but yeah absolutely um i think yeah i think it's i think it's a it's a it's a tangible idea for sure i think um Mm.
0: well they do that with emails don't they some email platforms actually do allow you to well to allow you to attract do they at least yeah uh, an email if you send it um so but I'm I'm the fact that Giles does that already does actually mean he's now validated blue tick king of <laughs> because he's actually already doing it he's way ahead well I think I've I think
2: probably <laughs> I have put out stuff in the past during like you know in a moment like we've all said like in a moment of um desperation or disparity or whatever it might be or anger um and yeah and it's and I've not I've re- regretted doing that um and then you can't. I mean, you can delete it, but it's obviously several thousand people might have seen it already. So you you know that in your head, don't you? Because you think, oh god, yeah, everyone's seen this. So yeah, so I think I've I've made it a thing to um, in recent years to 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 really be careful about what I'm putting out there and make sure I'm happy with it before I press send. I'm very impressed
3: because I think that's 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 a quite that, that's a good personal trait that you got that restraint to be able to do that because I think a lot of people will just fire stuff off and then once it's out there as you say it's like a sort of digital imprint once it's out yeah. there even if you delete it it's out there someone screenshotted it or something or you can even do archive Twitter searches and stuff you know pe- people can find it once it's out there so I think being able to stop yourself
2: and just take a breather is a really good t- I'm so impressed I mean I tweet it's, well, it's funny because I, I tweeted about doing that and um, very meta, I, I actually did it with the tweet I was tweeting about doing that. <laughs>
0: like wow, faction. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Sounds like something out of the tree. But you're right, it's, it's a bit like real life, isn't it? And, and obviously we, we we kind of divorce real life from social media and obviously they are different. But then having said that, they've got a lot of elements in common. Yeah. And just like you say, you know, if someone... Someone, let's say on the train, you know, bashes into you or or says something rude to you. You know, do you do you react quick fire and say something, or do you take a breath, wait, stop, and say actually, what's in my best interest? How, you know, what how should I respond to this person, uh, and what's going to fuel the fire? So it, it there are so many parallels between social media and real life, and yet um, I think sometimes same same with you know um, how so young people use the internet, for example, like we you know it's very much about debriefing with that young person or that child after they've been online just like you would if they've been for a day at school like how was your day you know what 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 did you see what did you learn so I think sometimes we divorce the two things too much and actually there are so many more parallels and crossovers where we can actually use the skills we use in real life in social media as well
3: yeah yeah hadn't thought about it like that actually (laughs) yeah that's I think I've allowed social media to just sort of seep into my life so much. Like, I'm the sort of person that when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is check Twitter, mm. which, which is not healthy. It's not healthy. Um, my wife tells me all the time, and she's absolutely right. It's not healthy. And, in fact, the last two days, without being able to do that, I've yeah, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a much better experience. And then my then do my, my low-intensity workout, and, you know, I'm ready ready, ready for,
2: the for the day. day. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: You need to market the low intensity. Workout. I'd be all so over Giles, that. I'd be all over that. Charles needs to market the uh, emotional reactivity tool on Twitter, and you need to market the lips.
2: Lit. It is lit. Really? No, it's not really. It's
0: just an acronym. I think I'd see great ideas <laughs> that would just take a lot of pressure on people. I
2: mean, I mean, it takes great reservation, res- like reservation, reservation to do that. To to to, to not to not just send out a tweet immediately and so i think for a lot of people actually some sort of device or blocker or something that would stop you from doing that immediately would is um probably quite useful i should think
0: <laughs> maybe you could uh tailor those bespokely so that if yes. people if people are yes. really keen on reacting you actually give them a longer Trump, time time he, time he gets like his is yes. like a couple of days whereas <laughs> like <couple> <laughs> that. Whereas actually for other people it might just be a couple of seconds, yeah. Some people m- might need a couple of years, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, But you can kind of just judge that and then kind of like create a bespoke emotional activity uh, time out yeah. uh, tool.
3: Right, anyone listening, anyone listening, we are copywriting this idea right yes. now. <laughs> Let's, we've got to send this, this episode out tomorrow, Charles. <laughs> as soon as possible.
2: We've got to patent this. Yes. So we like to talk about... Um, growing up so what was what was childhood like and school what was school like because obviously you're clearly an academic person you like learning Uh,
0: well so I I do well so I like I do like learning I'm quite curious I like understanding things sometimes a little bit too much I think I've got a tendency to perhaps analyze and perhaps think too Mm -hmm. much um but i do like understanding and learning and i that's why i love doing different bits of work because you learn what other people do and i've always said i'd love to be a blue peter presenter because you go they go things all the time we start the petition today i'm I'm still here (laughs) (laughs) um so so yeah so school school was fun actually school was nice um I kind of, I think at school, like, yeah, I am from quite an academic family. So my parents were both lecturers in university and child psychology, actually, educational psychology. Um, And um, so I was always surrounded by their, they wrote a lot of books, edited a lot of books. I was surrounded always by like big manuscripts of papers when I was growing up and I'd be like like child labour sort of you know like stapling them all together like my summer holidays so I was I was always surrounded by lots of books my elder sisters and brother um were also quite academic so yeah I had a I had a, a sort of big grounding in I suppose in academia but also on the flip side of that you know that that sort of sense of that message of achieve 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 and exams and and grades and I think the first time I sort of really realized that actually there needs to be a balance to that was when I went to university where um, I went went to Cambridge for my first three years. And I saw um, a lot of people struggling with their mental health there and a lot of um, people struggling with the idea that grades were all there was to life. Mm. And that really and I couldn't compete with those people. There's no way. Um, And so actually, it was the first time I sat there and thought to myself, wow, actually, it's important, but it's not is not the most important thing and that was a really good learning lesson for me to really not that i you know i i enjoyed myself at school i had lots of fun i wasn't always in the library but it was that that moment i think when i got my first sort of year exam results and you know i wasn't kind of near the top i would, I just about passed i was like okay i'm just really grateful for <laughs> this um and you know like i say some of the experiences of seeing other students struggling um with mental health i really just thought to myself they're this is a really important lesson for me it, to learn. It, and I'm glad I learned it. It again. feels like
2: it's becoming more and more common that um sort of kids, well, young adults should say, in their sort of, you know, that 16 to I guess 20 kind of bracket where they're really, really um feeling it's it's not necessarily pressure from parents, although that is sometimes the case, but often it's that pressure on themselves to achieve and and how much of an impact that has on mental health for for young people
0: absolutely and like I say I mean I I didn't ever really feel like I got conscious pressure from my Mm. parents to achieve I think like you say you grow up in a household or you see your older siblings doing well and then you just automatically take that on as though that should be what you're doing and that's what you should achieve so I think you're right I think a lot of it and especially when I'm doing you know, lots of work with young people at the moment on radio or social media, for example, about exams and pressure and stress. A lot of that does come from them having absorbed the messages from society around them about yeah. that's, that's yeah. you know, grades or exams equal your self-worth as a human. And that's a very dangerous message and a very false message. And then they put that pressure on themselves, which obviously then really affects their mental health, which is why I'm so passionate about helping people realise, yes, it's important. And it's great to have motivation and purpose and to have goals. But at the end of the day, also, your health and, and your well-being is the ultimate top priority, yeah. really, before that. Without yeah. that, you can't learn Ad, anyway. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: And do you think, as it feels to me that, um, I mean, government are lacking in this department anyway regards to mental health issues, but it feels like with education, it's even more so. Like There doesn't seem to be... I mean, there are, you get past all support and stuff, but there doesn't seem to be the lack... That there seems to be a lack of um, understanding and support for for young people in the, with regards to that particular aspect of academic perfection, you know, and, 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 and the causes of, of mental health issues. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I might be, I might be wrong here, but it just feels like there isn't as much support for young people as there could be.
0: Mm, I think there's so there, so within PHSE, there are some elements of that and I think it's getting better. And I think there are lots of great charities as well who provide incredible resources, for children, young people in schools, but obviously, you know, teachers are really yeah, are really of course, yeah, yeah, well,
2: well they're, yeah, they're stressed as well, yeah,
0: they're stressed as well. But but I think you're right. I think although we're getting better, there needs to be a lot more, and and the and it needs to be early, early mm-hmm. on. So uh, um, I did a series on CBeebies called Feeling Better, which was for under fives which was all about recognising emotions. It was with puppets, I had to sing, Living in a house with two amazing puppets. Amazing. It was so much fun. You were singing. You had um, to sing. I, was, I had to sing. It was the most scary thing I've ever done, actually. And when I was singing, feeling scared, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, can, I can relate. Um, but, you know, that was all about helping children you know, before five to understand emotions and to really become aware of what emotions are. And for me, it needs to start that early. Mm um to have a good grounding and then build on that as as children go through school and college because you know those those skills are fundamental life skills they're not add-ons they're as important as learning how to read and write actually in my mind um so yeah i totally agree i think there needs to be much more we need to be supporting children young people parents and teachers a- anyone who's associated with children young people to help them mm. do that as well
3: yeah you, you i mean you see it in older people, don't you? Sometimes in adults that they've been driven so much by uh, goals to hit, and having a goal is good, and having a purpose, as you said earlier, is absolutely bang on. But sometimes people are so driven by sort of hitting the next level or a certain amount of money or car or job or something that their sort of focus shifts, and they're not focusing on the right thing, not focusing on, on being happy. And what comes up on this podcast quite a lot is certainly when we talk to sort of actors and comedians, people like that that certainly ones that have been around for a while, there's always a point where they realise that actually, although I was aiming for certain things, certain jobs or whatever, it was getting there. It was the journey that actually was the more important thing than actually and getting there. And they might get to the certain level and think, oh, I'm actually no happier than when I was before. Yeah. But actually mm. it yeah, was, so it so was true. the journey of getting there. And I think <laughs> it's the, take it's, so part, isn't it? it's I the taking part. It's the taking part. Yeah, totally. And I think that's also something that a lot of people, young and old, um, need to realise as well, because, only a tiny percentage of us can ever really hit those massive dreams, you know, and stuff that, 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 that people want, but you can still have fun along the way.
0: Absolutely. I always see it as a bit of an adventure, really. If you, I think if you look at things as an adventure, um like you say then actually it's the adventure which is the fun part rather than the destination (laughs) and 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 actually you know what is the destination anyway because that's also an illusion we think that the the destination is this and like you say when we get there it's often totally not what we expected or we've changed so much as a person that we then shift our destination and then you end up asking yourself well where does this end then Mm. you know how much money do you want to get how important do you want to be in your company you know um and and we do it with lots of different things not just money and jobs and careers but also you know with relationships with um owning a property with you know all of the things that society tell us we should do by a certain age and we should look like this because that means you're successful or you're happy and again it is all of these illusions um I mean, Giles will know. I love, I love the film Labyrinth oh, because we talked about this. We had a our little chat last week, movie. and I'll never Thank forget. You. Yeah, in Labyrinth, when, when she, I think she takes it's
2: further than you think. <laughs> 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 yeah. So I'm
4: going to describe Labyrinth. <laughs>
0: Let's just sing the song because in that, that film really does sum up, I think the journey of, of life and people's idea about happiness and how to get happiness with her journey, you know, and lots of kind of parallels I think with life. And there's a moment in that when she realizes that this, that this kind of, person she wanted to be with a ball gown and you know all kind of you know being a kind of the queen of whatever and being you know left alone by her annoying little brother she realized it's all an illusion and she takes something and she says you know you have no power over me and she sort of smashes it all down and it all falls down around her and to me that's what I think life is about is that you end up going through this journey and adventure and then you get to a certain points in your life where you're like this yeah. is all an illusion and actually where is my real power? My real power is inside me it's internal and it that, that kind of power is those things about choices and and how i can react and how i feel and once you realize that i think your whole world around you kind of almost does fall down a bit which can be quite scary but also quite useful long term I think. absolutely
2: well. yeah and also you don't end up in the bog of eternal state <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> depending on who you live with obviously yeah. everyone's toilets yeah but... that's true <laughs> that is true <laughs> <laughs> that is. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that film's got a lot of. Yeah, I don't know what the Bog of Eternal Stage that, That's probably, I don't know, what is that? That's probably social media. <laughs> yeah, probably. Definitely <laughs> social <Yeah>. media. <laughs> so what's David
3: Bowie's Cod Piece, though, because that's my main memory from that movie.
0: It's quite <laughs> early in the morning for that kind of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. <laughs>
2: but that's an amazing thing to sort of realise and actually be comfortable with when you're you know when you're at Cambridge University doing your studies to suddenly think okay Mm. it's okay that I'm doing enough I don't have to strive necessarily to be the best in class or get the best degree ever you know that's a I should imagine that was quite a comforting feeling to have after you kind of made that realization a little bit
0: yeah that that was that was really really helpful that was very kind of empowering mm-hmm. and I think that was only really the first step in in me realizing you know we're learning that lesson I'm probably still learning yeah. it as so well we don't really mm-hmm. learn our lessons totally do we but you know so so I think as you go along you know you have different um life kind of turns up to remind you of that lesson yeah. <laughs> in different ways so for example then I I then went on obviously to do hospital medicine and then I um switched to general practice and I got you know I got quite a lot of judgment from my hospital colleagues about that you know because sometimes general practice amongst hospital doctors is seen as oh that's not as good as hospital medicine or at least that when I was doing it there's a lot of attitude so you, really, you get that, and so there's,
2: that is it? it's a bit a bit sniffy kind of thing about it
0: not, not, not so much now, but still there is an element of that. I think so. Again, it's like reframing mm. that. Oh, that's your judgment. You know, what do I want for my life? And then yeah. again, um, when I started to do media work, I got some judgment from people saying, "Oh, what yeah. on earth are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? That's crazy. You should be settled down in one, one job." And and so again, I think like that that sort of moment in in university was just the first mm. moment of many moments to sort of try and work out. Actually, what's important to me, and not listening to other people necessarily, and really trying to understand what makes you happy, and not what you think you should be doing, um, in lots of well, different but again, areas though, those are life. those people's
3: opinions, <laughs> yes. and they mm-hmm. hold no power over mm-hmm. you.
2: To quote Labyrinth again,
0: yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all about Labyrinth. <laughs> it's, it's
2: interesting that there's this the snobbery around the sort of medical paternity about you know what what area of medic- medicine you you like dive into but
0: uh, well there are lots of different stereotypes as well within mm. specialities and you know in, in any kind of area they're, in, they're probably more internal than than external but <laughs> it's kind of it's, it's, it's interesting to to hear what people pe- people are quite free or quite they think it's um acceptable just to give their opinion about your life and and you see this a lot of the time don't you when when people sort of offer their opinion without you asking um for them to give it (laughs) (laughs) both of you are like riley smiling (laughs) and and that's interesting again because you know some we could get annoyed by that but then actually there's a learning in that is that you know we can either get annoyed by it or we can go okay this person's giving their judgment about my life but then i can use that then to notice it don't hang on to it don't attach to it and then i can actually now learn and reinforce what I want for my life because they've brought that to me. So it, it, there, there is learning in, in every annoyance that you come across in life.
2: Yeah, I mean, as a creative person, I've had a constant barrage of, mm, when are you hmm. going to get a proper job Um sort of type conversations with various different people and peers during my creative life you know for the last 20 years I'm still doing creative stuff so uh, (laughs) um but uh (laughs) you know it's um it is it's hard to take those those things on board isn't it when you when you're striving to do the thing that you want to do um I suppose that's maybe it's part of that you become a bloody minded and then think well okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and show you kind of thing I suppose that's how we how we kinda of get through it.
0: Yeah, you can use it as a motivator, yeah. can't you, actually, to be a bit like in a positive way, to be a bit like, well, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just yeah. see then, yeah. you know. Um but I always that's kind of one of the bits of advice I will try to give people is that, you know, try to always you know, it sounds very cliche and obvious, but try to do what makes you happy. We're all different people. And one person's idea of happiness is yeah. very different from yours. So again, even if people are telling you or saying to you, oh, why are you doing that? You should be doing this. It's like, well, thank you for your opinion. Let me hear that, mm. sit with it. And then I can choose whether or not I take take that on board or not. And if you take it on board, great, because it's something for you. If you don't, then yeah. actually that's great because you've then just reinforced your your trust in yourself that you know what you're doing and you know where you're heading as well also
2: I think you have to I guess I've always had to realize that it's not their experience so you know if they've come from a family unit where they're expected to do certain things and follow a certain path that is all they know you know so so if someone's deviating from from what they know is is an is a natural kind of path in life then, then they're obviously going to question it and and think oh that's not how I do it you know and I think that's so yeah I think you have to give people because you have to give them the benefit of the doubt in those situations and say okay it's fine that they you know that's not what their experience is and my experience is going to be very different so you know
0: well that's why I've always been a bit confused by critics as in the role of critics in the theatre or restaurants Mm. because and again this sounds really obvious and (laughs) I'm probably the only person who's ever had this thought um but I, I always think to myself well that's really bizarre because that person is totally different from me. Like you said, Giles, they've grown up in, yeah. a, dif- in a different household. Yeah. They've had different experiences. They have a different, totally different filter and perception on what's happening. So why would that one person hold so much power over me or know what I'm like to say whether or not I would like something or not in the theater or a restaurant. Yeah. And, and so I think that's where the di- That's the difference between um, directed voice and, General advice comes. There's a difference between those two mm. things. So, again, in coaching, that's a very um, well known concept that you don't tell people as a coach what to do you 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 discuss it with them, ask questions, so they can actually end up coming to their own choices and own decisions. And so I think I know, I don't think really direct or specific advice is ever very helpful to give people, even friends yeah, or family. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. better to ask yeah. the questions and give general pointers. And then that actually yeah. works better because we're all so different.
2: Paraphrase and summarise. That's yeah, the counselling exactly. um, I did a counselling course once and yeah it was all paraphrasing and summarizing. You let, yeah, lead people to their own conclusions um, rather than giving. Because also
0: otherwise they'll blame exactly. you for giving you the wrong exactly. advice. they <laughs> will <laughs> be like, but you told me that.
3: Well, there, there probably is, a, is an element of sort of accountability to it. But also you feel, you feel better as a person when you've come to a decision on your own. I think you, it does feel more empowering that you've got yourself there we all need help along the way absolutely and if we're lucky enough to have people in our lives or be able to afford life coaching or counselling that's great but when you've got somewhere and you've made that decision to get there and you've pushed yourself through it's Mm. a much more fulfilling and complete feeling and
0: much and much more likely to last as well
3: yes Mm. yeah
2: we forget that don't we so you become a medical doctor you did you've been a gp how did the broadcast and tv work come about
0: yeah, so that was really random actually so that was um that was something that my my sister saw an advert for bbc3 program um it was probably back in like 2007 now actually quite a long time ago and she just brought it back for me i don't know i have no idea why she was like oh i've brought this advert back for you for bbc3 program and i was like why i was like I was, I was i was like a tree i was a statue in my school plays um like I was, I was kind of you know captain of the sports team and stuff, and I you know used to do harvest festival speeches, but <laughs> but I was never someone to be you know on in a in a play or to kind of do anything like that. So um, she she brought it back for me anyway, and I I sort of was being a bit of a grumpy little sister. I was like, oh, what's this? What are you talking about? She was like, I brought it all the way back. If you don't apply, I'll be really cross. So I did, and then I loved it. It was all about sort of sharing knowledge but in a really fun way really creative because I I love I love having fun I'm quite sort of playful person I like using my imagination and I like people so I think I liked it for those reasons and I also love teaching and kind of sharing knowledge um so I absolutely loved it and then um once I decide I like something, I'm then like, right, let's go for it. And I'm like, my one of my old tutors used to say to me, he's like, Rado, when you decide something, it's a little bit like a military campaign. <laughs>
4: you, kind of just,
0: you work it out and you go for it. And so and so I went for it and I I sent out billions of cold emails and wrote down, I went to kind of the news agents and wrote down all these editors' emails from different magazines and all kinds of things that I did and, and um, I just really went for it because I loved it and really enjoyed it um and that's how i started off
3: so was that was that a casting then you went to for that for the bbc three um, thing so i
0: had like a i had like a little kind of video interview actually someone came around to my flat at the time and um and recorded something on video for about yeah four or five minutes um wow. and yeah then i did that which was amazing
2: and so what was the next the next sort of tv gig you did after that then
0: um, so I did that and then I did the sex education show, which is on channel four. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Which kind of went for five series actually, which was amazing, which again was really, I got a lot of judgment from that about, <laughs> from certain people yeah. like, Oh, you're standing up in front of naked people on a, on a screen, you know, and giggling and sniggering. And I was like, pfft listen, you're adults, like, <laughs> this is the human body. Um, and the, the children in the schools are much more mature than you are. So mm. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming so from.
2: So I, I do vaguely remember that programme. Um, Anna Richardson was the host, was she? Yeah. So you were basically giving advice to people with sexual ailments.
0: No, so we went round... It was for school children, and we went round oh, different schools all over the country. <laughs> Charles, well off I don't it. think that was... Uh... Well, Charles, you're I was Charles, completely I think. different. <laughs> I was going to say, Charles, I don't know what shows you've been watching, but... Um...
2: <laughs> you thinking of Naked Attraction, Charles. I'm thinking of... Um, I think I'm thinking of that... Um, oh, Extreme Bodies or something. Was it the ones where they had loads of...
0: Um, that was oh, more medical uh, was problems, I think. It was... Um, I can't remember what it's called. I know the one you mean anyway, mm. but no, it wasn't that one. So basically sorry. we went round. Sorry. not <laughs> right. You can just go and watch them all now. <laughs> it's fine. You got, that's your weekend activity. Uh, weekend Excellent homework. Well,
2: I need a new box Um
0: <laughs> So we went round lots of different schools across the country and we basically did big assemblies with loads of children with a big screen behind and we did things about puberty, wow, about okay, body okay, shape, okay. about body image. Uh We did little workshops with children about STIs and showed them like pictures of different stis and how and also we did stuff about um you know uh pornography versus kind of um sex education and healthy relationships so so that was basically like a little road show and it was incredible and the children were amazing and um they learned a lot and they asked really honest questions really authentic Mm. questions which is why i love working with children and young people um and it was a really lovely project because it really again you know our relationships uh, our bodies, and you know all those things actually affect our emotional health they' are part of our emotional health so I, I love that that was a great um series to well become.
2: also going back to what you were saying earlier about sort of mental health issues is that you know if we can instill some of those um ideas and values and all those kind of things and educate children at a very young age, then hopefully you know as they grow older, they will have that knowledge and I get the same you know I know in other countries you know they start education a lot younger you know like Places like Holland and Netherlands, and and I think probably in Scandinavia as well, they start is sex education much le- at a much younger age. I think we've started to move towards that a little bit more in this country. You know, sort of learning about relationships and love and stuff at a much younger age. But um, and and, and in those countries, they often have lower teen pregnancy numbers and that kind of stuff. So it, because you know, giving children that sort of early knowledge that they can sort of take exactly.
0: forward. Exactly, and also and also it's um. You know, I think it's much more than just sex education because actually I think it's more about, um, that helping children develop a relationship with their own bodies mm. and respect for their bodies. Yeah. And that is a very powerful message when it comes then on to relationships and to health like you say, healthy relationships with healthy boundaries. So it is like you say, we we sort of frame it in, in those terms, but actually it's much more about like you say all of those issues about loving yourself Mm -hmm. and your body and, and, and getting to know your body and all those kind of things, which are really, really important. So yeah, I was really lucky to be part of that part of that series. Yeah.
3: I think, um, I think you're right as well that kids can oft- often be more mature in that kind of thing than a lot of adults yeah, sometimes.
0: Definitely. They... Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Some of the comments I got from adults who watched it, they're like, oh, I was just flicking through, Roger, and I saw I saw you in front of this huge screen with this naked person on it, and they were sniggering. And I was like, hang on a minute. You're like a, I don't know how old, like, human, <laughs> male or female. Why are you laughing? Like, it was incredible. It was really interesting, actually, to see, again, the conditioning that we absorb about you know the shame of our bodies and we shouldn't talk about bodies and oh my gosh we should snigger and it's really interesting to see how that can still last into adulthood unless we change things earlier well on. I think
2: yeah. yeah I mean I don't know what your sex education was like at your school gym but at ours it was extremely silly and you know I mean being a boy it's probably even more silly like I mean bananas condoms on bananas things like that were like order of the day where well, you know I, it is I, you, you know so you don't have, didn't have that level of maturity um, I went involved. to a
3: primary school, Catholic primary school run by nuns. So okay. as you can imagine, sexual education wasn't high on the agenda.
0: <laughs> I, I went to a Catholic school Did you? Uh, with, with, Did one, you? with a nun. With, with, with just one nun. <laughs> with, with one nun. And we had, um, I was yeah, I was taught sex education by a physics teacher, which basically just um, involved putting on a video yeah. Um, yeah. of something and then just leaving the classroom. <laughs> For like 40 minutes, so. I think ours was just a video, just a video. <laughs> and, and yeah,
2: bananas putting a condom on a banana. Um, <laughs> yeah, um,
0: but I think you know, there, there were, you know, again, some of the statistics from that series about you know, um, young people's attitudes to their body and what they felt under pressure to do were really, really shocking for mm. me. I remember at that point, and even more important, therefore, to like you say, kind of. Talk about stuff and open it up so there isn't any shame, and actually, people have the knowledge and and the kind of education to really start to respect their bodies. Especially
3: as um, there's more influence from the internet. You know, when I was around, there was no internet, and the only shame you got was from, you know, someone at school saying a silly comment or something. Now you've got social media, and uh, people can, kids can be bullied on their phones. You know, kids can be bullied after, bullied at school, come home, be bullied again. On on Snapchat or whatever, so I think there's, it's even more important to be sending out those messages to, to children now because there's way more external influences than than when I was at school.
0: Definitely, absolutely, like you say, you know, young people can't get away from it now unless. They have the confidence and the skills to get away from it. So you're you're absolutely right. And again, with you know images around you know, eating disorders and pornography, you know sexting, all of those kind of issues, they're absolutely like I say, just everywhere. So it's even more important to, like I say, you you know you're not going to be able to fix the entire internet, but what you can do is give children, and young people, the skills and the confidence and the self esteem for them to like like i said earlier debrief afterwards or or tell someone if there's yeah. a problem that's that's where we can do the work we can't fix the whole internet but we can we can do the work there and i think that's much more powerful potentially if we, if we give those people those internal skills
3: imagine if you could fix the whole internet <laughs> amazing yeah. that's You'd another idea we've got be... another yeah.
0: trademark that fix the internet quite... trademark that sounds like a, sort
3: of like a politician's policy promise i will fix the internet yeah oh I mean, it's never gonna happen
0: oh yeah that would be yeah. a, g- a great campaign statement <laughs> wouldn't it yeah
2: well i think you know um rather you are try fixing the internet to a certain extent in your own way as i am as well i'm trying to do um and i'm sure jim is to a certain <laughs> no, extent as well by not no, being no. on it oh, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um but no but but by putting out more positive you know yeah, po- yeah. more positive um feeds and more positive posts wh- have have you always been putting out positive posts and thing or is that more of a recent recent thing
0: so so i think so one of the one of the things that's come out for me in this in 2020 as it's been positive from this whole situation is that i've cared less about what people think Mm -hmm. and so i did i did used to put out some positive things but not to the degree and not to the extent that i do now and i think that was because i was still a little bit like oh i'm not sure will people like it well i think it's you know whatever and so actually when this whole situation happened in march and I was getting a lot of people ask me, can you do an interview or can you do this or can you give advice? You know, normally when I'd be like, I mean, I, I'm, I can never I can never get my hair perfect anyway. But <laughs> before before I'd be like, oh, I should do that again or it wasn't quite right. And that whole perfectionist type vibe, I was just like, you know what, there's no time for that. And actually it doesn't matter. What matters is that people you know i can try and help people and try and put something out that's going to help people feel better or try and have kind of coping strategies so that has been really good for me in breaking down that worry about other people's judgments and what they think about me and so i've definitely now kind of the 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 beast has been unleashed (laughs) (laughs) and the lion has been i'm a leo the lion has been let (laughs) out of its cage in terms of um i mean don't get me wrong obviously i'm human i still you know, worry about potentially what people might think, but I, I, I care less, much less so now. And um, I very much think about, I think also that helps when I'm broadcasting as well, because, you know, if I am nervous or, you know, it's a particularly difficult topic, what I try to do is really think about the audience mm. I'm trying to reach and who out there might be listening, who might need help. And when I think about those people out there listening, then I forget myself and then I do a much better job because then I'm really coming from a place of authenticity and really wanting to help those people who might be going through grief or loss yeah. or, or, you know, um, anxiety or whatever it might be. So that's a good tip that's helped me. As yeah.
2: Well. I, I often, I'm thinking of the one person that it might help, not the thousand or 2000 people that are going to think that it's annoying.
3: But also I think caring about what people think isn't necessarily a bad thing. If, the people you care about, their opinion... Hang on, I'm going to hang myself up here. The people you care about, that they think what you think about them... hang It's not their Friends episode, isn't it? They don't know they know they know. Um, are people <laughs> that you respect and care about. So I care what my friends and my family might think about me. But once you then shed what the average Joe on the internet or what a troll thinks about you, then you become a bit more empowered and then you can put things out there. And invariably, because I do that as well, I worry about everything I tweet and think... Is this funny? Is this informative? Will people care? But when you actually now and then put out something that's real, you put out something a bit more sort of heartfelt or real, the reaction is nearly always overwhelmingly positive because people, other people like to see that. They like to see people being honest and real and because they feel it as well. And that creates that connection that we all yearn for anyway as, as human beings. So it, it, you will, you'll get people who, you know, will troll you and call you an idiot or whatever. But most people, most good-hearted people we'll we'll connect to it and that's really all that matters
0: yeah that is so true and I think you're so right in what you say that when um you know, when we take that approach of being real uh, not so not real to the point where you know you're feeling uh, very vulnerable or very exposed you know you need to obviously protect mm. yourself as well mm. but when we're being real and we post something that really matters to us what we, we've been affected by it someone we know has been affected by you, know, you can guarantee that millions of people have been affected by the same thing and they're feeling the same way and actually also you know when when people are giving advice when people are trying to help people coming from a from a from a platform which is I am here with you I I am you you know there is part of me that I can see in you that is also being affected that is by far the best way to help people rather than coming from a place of I know better. None of us know better. We're all learning. Mm. And so actually, again, the approach you take, I think, to to trying to help people always works better when you come from a place of, you know, I can see part of you in me and I've been through this or I know someone who has. Um, so much better way to approach, I think, people who need help.
2: We all do it, don't we? There's, the, I mean, there's that thing about um, not, we shouldn't um, care what other people think of us because it's none of our business which is that great saying and it and it's so true but i think when we're sort of constantly on which we are you know like you said like it's very it's often very difficult to not to it's such a you get so weighted by it sometimes i think when you when you've got um you know you might have several i don't know 10 20 30 40 comments or something on your post um to not start to take on board some of those feelings sometimes.
0: Mm, it is, it's it's hard to boundary that off, isn't it? Um and I, I think also like you said I think there's it's about working out why you care. But yeah. so why you care about what people think, isn't it really rather than kind of cuz actually caring about what other people think is is actually a good thing mm. because it keeps us all in a society kind of cohesive because we we have to care about other people, (laughs) you know, if we care about what other people think, then we're more likely to behave in a way that is, you know, generally acceptable and generally good for, for most Mm -hmm. people. So there is a, there is a a use to it. It's not, it's not totally a bad thing, but I think it's about like, why do we care? Why does that comment hurt? Why are we so bothered by it? What's it triggering in us? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it's triggering something in us that we believe about ourselves, you know, so reflecting on why that comment is so hurtful, I mean, again, some comments are just totally hurtful and totally abusive, in yeah. which case there's no point even considering them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah. but, with some things, you think, okay, well, why am I upset by that? And is that something? Is that a belief in me that isn't true that I want to get rid of? I want to release. So there, there is an element of that as well. I think that's potentially useful in sort of thinking all. Yeah, using absolutely. What I, I mean, in a,
3: in a way, sort of caring what people think, and again, to an extent, I, I think is uh, an example of compassion. If if you have compassion for people then you're going to care what they think. But you're right, it's, there's a real balance to it. As with everything in life, there's a real balance to what you take on. And, mm. and again, it comes back to what we was saying earlier about managing your mental health and managing yourself. If you were someone that didn't care about literally what anyone thought ever, you'd probably be a bit of a sociopath, wouldn't you?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're right, so, so you are right. And that's why life is so challenging, because... It's not a simple answer and it is always a balance. So to everything, it's a balance. Sometimes people get tired of hearing that it's because true. it's like, oh, it's yeah. a balance, I <laughs> yeah. just wanted an answer. <laughs> you know, a balance means that I have to work at it and I have to keep an eye on it and I have to realise when it's shifted over here and I have to bring it back and that takes work and it takes effort. But unfortunately, that is the truth of life. Everything is in balance. Like nature is in balance, well, <laughs> unless we mess it up, obviously. Um, but you know, it, it is. You know, balance takes effort and takes time, doesn't it? But every single well, thing, it really yeah. is a balance. And I, I go through phases where I'm, I'm really good, and then I'll be totally imbalanced and i'll kind of get to a point like i'm really tired like oh no I, i'm a, i need to bring it back here and then i'll go the other way and i kind of, like oh can't i just sit like be like a machine where i just set some timings and it just a regulate, auto machines, regulates you know a <laughs>
4: so, I know,
0: it's so boring isn't it <laughs> yeah but you know that's part of that's part of learning i guess it's just sometimes I was—I did one of those personality questionnaires once, which showed that I was a complete a finisher. Apparently, okay. So I like getting—I oh, okay. like getting things done and and finished and ticking them off. And and so for me, when someone first told me, "Oh, Rod, you," I think it was my dad. Actually, he's like, "You're never gonna get it all done. You're never gonna get." You're never going to learn everything in life. You're never going to get it all finished. It will just keep coming. I was like, oh no, don't tell (laughs) me that. That's like the worst thing you could ever say. And over the years I have, I have learned to accept that or accept it a bit more. And I think that's a really helpful thing to accept, uh, you know, because I, I, I kind of my, my dad is very much like, right, let's get things done, boom, 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 and doesn't read really do in properly. My mum's the opposite. She's very detailed, mm. does things quite slowly and kind of and I, I sometimes veer a bit too much towards my dad, so I think I need to kind of come back a little bit. It's like when I'm wrapping <laughs> Christmas presents. I'm like, Oh, just let's get some tapes. Use my teeth, I'm slam it on. I'm terrible you know? presents.
2: <laughs> my wife has these pristine, beautiful presents that are all like ribboned and like beautiful. And mine are just car Ooh. crash. Well, you're both better than me because I forget exactly. to buy the present.
3: So it doesn't even get wrapped. Can't wrap it. Yeah. Well, you could actually. <laughs>
0: I thought you were going to get out your boat, your kind of bow kits, where you like show us your kind of no, wrapping. No, you I'm normally the sort of person that then
3: has to find leftover wrapping paper or just use like leftover sort of cardboard or something. I'm not. I'm not very. I'm not very. I'm not organised. Not organised at all.
2: Well, it's obvious that. Um... You know, during our conversation today, that you are someone who can reflect. You know, you reflected that time at you know at university. you were able to sort of see that um, that actually pushing yourself to the limits wasn't wasn't for you. And then you know you've been able to go through. You know, you decided the path you've taken. You've you've been able to reflect on which sort of um, which paths to deviate off onto. Um, are you still a reflective person are you still do you do you give yourself time to reflect I mean obviously we've had this time to reflect haven't we all of us but yeah are you able to uh, what what I'm I suppose what I'm trying to say is what if you could give other people an a, advice on on taking time to reflect what, what would it be
0: good question um so I think I think there first of all I think there's a difference between reflecting and over-analyzing yeah, I, so I have a because I've got quite a busy brain, I have a tendency to overanalyze. <laughs> and so actually that's not very helpful. Mm. So I think that there are two different things. Um I I remember actually so one of my favorite books is The Power of Now which was um by Eckhart Tolle which I absolutely love. And I remember reading that when I was like in my early 20s when it came out on the tube and that was a real big moment for me because that was the first time that I'd really understood that a, a thought you can either attach to a thought or you can let go of a thought and they just come and go. Mm. And that's a really basic concept, which we're very familiar with now. Mm. But back then it was no one really was talking about that or talking in those terms. And for me, that was a massive relief. I remember being on the tube platform, actually, and reading that book while I was waiting for the tube to come and suddenly just like, having this real moment of like, wow, that is real power because, you know, I do have a brain which kind of thinks a lot and analyzes a lot. And when I was younger at school, you know, I was a bit of a worrier as well. So for me to hear that, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's incredible!" And so I think, I think that for anyone listening, there is there is that distinction between overanalyzing um, and overthinking and reflecting. Mm. Reflecting is very useful. Um, I think I do I do reflect. I think I think the place that I find it easier to reflect in is definitely in nature. Mm. So nature for me, and if I am going for a run or a cycle, that's definitely the place where I can reflects more on what's happening but i also think that sometimes in our moments of sort of crisis when we're having a really good cry yeah are also really good places to reflect in you know, sometimes we get this sort of reflections being like we are in a we're in a lovely room you know with a sort of an instagram type room you yeah. know with golden sunlight coming on our faces and a nice hot chocolate or whatever it is and actually to me the, the moments of real powerful reflection are often in those really tough times where actually it's all fallen apart and you need to say okay this is not working for me anymore so now what can I do to change something that isn't working for me so I would say to people that think about how you reflect think about why you're reflecting Um, and often it's because we want to make a change or something's not working for us so by all means process what's not working for you and let that go but then the second element to that is then about saying well what can I then do about it and I think Action after that reflection. Yeah, also that's really important. good advice.
3: And you know, we, we are as beings, we are works of progress, aren't we? You know, we never when, as you said earlier, there's never one catch-all answer. Uh, but all the things you just detailed there can, all those little sort of things you can do can help you just get to that next stage and uh, try and look after yourself. And again, you know, we've chatted about different things today. It's all come back to looking after yourself. Uh, will help you know then whatever issues you have
0: yeah and also help other people because when we reflect on something we go through something in life we then and we learn something from it we can then give that gift to someone else who is going through something difficult and like I was talking a bit before about, you know, having a break from social media, there are other people there to sort of hold the fort while you're away, passing the baton on. And one of the things, one of the reasons I love doing this kind of work is because I really feel like if we can learn, if we, each of us learn a skill that that helps us, why can't we pass that gift or pass that baton on to someone else to so that they can help themselves and then they can pass that on as well. And I think that's what I Absolutely. love. And that's pa- what really pass
3: the baton, passionate about I think doing. is a really good, and we are we are human, so I think that's... Yeah. that's um past the baton if we had episode titles which we don't we just put the person's name I think we would call this one past the baton
2: past the baton definitely yes.
0: love that Re- relay with dr rada you do, you do go. what you
2: do I do what I do <laughs> there we go
0: it's another so <laughs> <laughs> no, you make people laugh which is one of the in best theory, therapies in some ever. gigs
3: more than others some gigs less so <laughs>
0: I think, I think those things like nature, laughter, connection, self-expression, they're all the things, again, which are so good for us that we have sort of almost forgotten or we we don't really see tangibly. And I think we need to remind everyone of, of all of those t- different types of therapies. Well, that's,
3: but that's why I love stand-up comedy, because you get all that in one thing. You get laughter, you get connection, you get people relating to each other and you get shared experience it all within mm. a couple of hours. That's why I think stand-ups, in a way, people a lot of stand-ups joke about... It being therapy for them. Oh, I'm on stage; it's therapy for me. Actually, it's therapy for the audience, mm. way more so than it is for the acts. And uh, that's that's why I'm desperate for us to get back to live comedy at some point. But I know it's unfortunately quite a long way away. But fingers crossed.
0: Yes, 100. percent It's so true. Like, all these things that we are really missing: music, comedy, live performance. Mm. You know, they are they are all they're all therapies for our emotional health. Always, why would we miss yeah, them? Exactly, them?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel incredibly privileged to be able to continue doing this podcast, which for me is therapy every week, absolutely and above, you know, above more than anything, really. It's just so nice to connect with people like yourself, who you know we've connected on 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 social media, and now we have this, you know, we have to have these amazing t- chats with you. Before we go, because we're coming to the end, um, you've kind of touched on it a little bit. We always ask our guests at the end how they would get through their blank moments so obviously blank moments is those kind of difficult moments and you know you've sort of alluded to a few difficult moments you've had is there any advice you can give our listeners on how they can get through their own blank moments
0: Mm, great question so my first bit of advice would be to realize that you matter you matter more than enough to want to feel better or to get through this time Again, we don't talk about self-esteem very much, but self-esteem is really important. So you matter and you matter enough that you that you can go forward and try to help yourself feel better. That's the foundational stone of actually someone wanting to change or wanting something to be different, that they realize that they deserve more yeah. or that they actually matter enough um, to make a change in their life. And then secondly, I think... Um, Allowing yourself to process whatever's happened. So often we want to kind of fast forward and be like, right, this is really difficult. I want to be over there right now. Um, But that can't happen, unfortunately. It's a bit like the balance thing. Sorry, guys. but You need need time to process that. So be patient. (laughs) Patience is actually a skill in itself. And then the, the last thing I think is all about Action. And sometimes we think that we need to totally believe in ourselves or we need to be totally perfect before we can take action. But actually, it's the opposite. Action actually gives you the confidence to continue and to take new steps to make something better. So even if it's just a small action, do do that. Start some action because the action will positively reinforce that trust in yourself, that the first two points that you matter, but also that things can be different for you.
3: Excellent oh, advice. Yeah, Ex- That's like so true. I'm sort of nodding along because it all adds yeah. sense. And I'm thinking about things that I can do and I have done recently, as you're saying that. So it's absolutely, you're very good at
2: this. You're very good at this advice. Thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that was brilliant.
0: It's the good questions that bring it out. So. Oh, well.
2: <laughs> well, it has been an absolute treat to talk to you again. Um, and I'm sure it won't be the last time yeah it's been lovely um and we've gone to some interesting places we've discussed labyrinth um, and some other stuff um, Dance, magic dance. <laughs> but yeah thank you so much Rod. it's been honestly it's been a real treat and a privilege thank you as so always, much to talk to you yeah and yeah thank you and take care
0: thank you both it's been wonderful thank you no, so much thank
2: you league, Jim? Dr. Rada. fantastic. Wonderful guest. I
3: mean, such a nice person, really easy to talk to. And we sort of get into a lot of stuff really quickly on this podcast. And it's just there's so much good advice. You know, she's really good. She's one of these people that really understands people, understands what they go through, and is able to uh, reflect as she said on that but also offer advice but in a very palatable way mm. you know a lot, a lot of academic people who are intelligent aren't always the best at sort of describing mm. or explaining things but she does it in such a wonderful friendly way yeah. uh, which is no surprise she has been as successful as she has
2: yeah absolutely yeah i mean i loved all the stuff we talked about really and we we talked about so many different aspects of life didn't we we talked about social media and and you know academia and going to university and early you know our early careers um and then reflection. labyrinth labyrinth. of course you couldn't not talk about labyrinth i mean i'm surprised it hasn't come up before on the podcast <laughs> yes uh, yeah um so yeah and and yeah and so many different things and it was yeah it was really in, it was just insightful is the word i'm taking away from it
3: yeah me too it was it was a a pleasure as it is for most of our guests it's a real pleasure just to yes. spend time in their company even though it is obviously you know online and we, we miss the times when we were able to sort of rock up to nordic bar and spend some time with these people yeah. in person which we hope we will do again at some point but you know for now we're obviously recording remotely but it's still wonderful to to share some time with these people and have a have a nice chat but also get a lot of takeaway from it i, I do feel we're we're very lucky in that regard we are,
2: we are yeah it's a real privilege to do so thank you Dr. Rada and um, yeah if you want to get in touch with us you can Uh, our Twitter and Instagram and Facebook handle is at blank pod or if you're willing to take a little bit more time and effort you can email us uh hello
3: no wait hello what is it it's not hello that's the old one it's the blank podcast 2018 at gmail.com
2: Fantastic, so proud that
3: that was awful. If I was if I was doing professional voiceover work, I'd, I'd do at least another take on that. Do it again with more feeling. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was poor. I apologise, but please do send us an email. We would love to receive it. We would, we really would love
2: to hear one. We'd love to get uh, just one, just one. Yeah, I might send us one just so we got something yeah. in the inbox. I mean, tweets are good as well. I mean, we read those out. So if you want to be heard. On an episode of The Blank Podcast, your name, your handle advertised to thousands of listeners. (laughs) You can uh, you can by sending us a message. So, yeah, please keep the messages coming because we do love to hear your messages. It's lovely to hear when people have listened to an episode and it's touched them in some way.
3: Indeed, it is really nice. We appreciate people listening and taking time to message us. So, um, yeah. Thank you very much. And thank you, uh, Dr. Rada, for this episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Giles, for thank just you, being Jim. your brilliant self. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you, everyone.
2: Yes. Good night and God bless. <laughs>
4: Media Podcast.